to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi, and today we're talking about Into the Woods. That's what this is called, right? Yeah, this is called the same thing as the musical they reference in it. That's what I that's why I remembered it. I was like, oh yeah, Into the Woods. That's a classic. I guess like I don't have any notes this time, so I don't know if I have a lot to say about this episode, do you? I don't have any notes. It seemed like I don't know. I mean, I have basically no opinions about anything except Holt and Rosa. So, maybe this will be a quick one. Let's hope so. Um, I guess, hey Carl, what happened in this episode? Jake broke a window. Turns out the police have to fill out paperwork when you break private property. Terry had to do it. He got mad. Jake pretended that he was going to help, but then Amy did his work for him. They went to the woods. Everything went to hell. They didn't quite die. (laughs) Uh, In the important plot, um, Rosa dumped Marcus and in the process tried to explore what it means to have feelings with Raymond Holt, who's in some way qualified to help her with this. (laughs) <laughs> and this we plot flashlights. I mean, Amy and Gina are friends. Someone got cheese all batted. No one got bridged to Terabithia. I think. I haven't read that book. Uh, no, no one got bridged to Terabithia. Uh, that book is so sad. Okay. I think that's the only thing I've heard about it. <laughs> Just that it's so sad. Yeah, that's it. That's all. <laughs> that's because that's because the whole book is just built up to the sadness. Yeah, books are like that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I obviously you know better than I. Yeah, you've read books. That's true. I have read books. So, I do you want to start with the do you want to finish with the B plot? Sure. Okay. So the C plot was basically nothing i do like the shoulder uh flashlight yeah, some flashlight stuff yeah i like shoulder flashlights i think the idea of that is really cool yeah i think it's a good technology i guess i mean it's one of those things where like i work for an app that skews towards like the demographic of hiding under the covers reading and so i'm like all these kids have cell phones amy Cell phones have a flashlight. Like, that's my most Jake thing I've ever said, maybe, but still. I mean, do they? Like, a lot of children have I remember cell phones reading, these days. Uh, I remember reading under the covers with a flashlight, and I was really young. Well, all the books she's mentioning are like uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade books. I mean, they're probably recommended reading level 4th, 5th, and 6th grade books, but I imagine she was reading them ahead of time. No, I mean, I read those books ahead of time at those ages. Maybe. I mean, those books are... Yeah. I I, I would not say The Hobbit, Bridge to Terabithia, or... Bridge to Terabithia, maybe, but The Hobbit and Sweet Valley High don't strike me as middle grade. They're middle school. Maybe. I I don't know. I don't know when kids get cell phones. I don't want to talk about it. But, like, (laughs) she's not trying to market it toward children. And also, I think, like, 
the goal is not to have to hold it. Yeah. Not to have a flashlight. To have a flashlight is pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I do see what Amy's going for. She wants both hands to be able to um, hold her book and turn pages and not have to juggle the flashlight as well. And or dispense justice. Which also, is like, she is trying to adapt this technology to adapt this technology to her current work environment. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I respect. Um, I kind of like sort of creating Amy. My, my, I think the most important character note notes in this plotline were Amy telling Gina that her mean comment was uncalled for in like the first scene of the C plot and yeah. And Gina telling Amy that um, she made a difference in someone's life. And isn't that the most important thing? So those were great little character moments for both of those characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a plot. Well, so I'm not sure why Amy agreed to be Vanessa. I don't know if that's like permanent now. No. Okay, good. I mean, is anything permanent? Nothing. I don't know. They keep stuff like that. I kind of just let roll. I don't think Amy is going to be Vanessa the way Jerry was Terry or Larry or Gary or whatever. Right. <laughs> um. But I do, I do think, um, I do think, I mean, I think there's, there's battles to fight and battles not to fight, right? Like, Gina was actually hurtful. Vanessa is relatively benign. That's true. Also, I feel like she's slightly flattered that, like, Gina's thinking about her enough to want her to change her name to Vanessa. True. Also, very true. Gina is definitely, like, the mean, cool girl, like, that you want to be friends with. And and expect to sort of go very much awry, but Gina's good enough of a person that it doesn't. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I did like uh, her little elevator thing was so like uncomfortably perfect. I don't know. I I did have the experience of like I was watching this on my phone. Mm-hmm. And a number of times during this plotline, I just, like, kind of took the headphones off so I didn't have to cringe. Which this I was... rarely do with this show, so, like, eh. Yeah, this was definitely the one of the cringe, like, cringe and, like, a, oh, that's uncomfortable, and not cringe and, like, oh, that's fat shaming and, like, weird blackmail body objectification, you know? No, it's just the characters being embarrassing. Yes, exactly. That, like, sort of secondhand embarrassment thing was, like, super up in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have anything So, else. the A-plot. Yeah, the A-plot. <laughs> Yay! Uh, A-plot. Lohank is back. I'm, I'm glad the, that Lohank is back. And I confirm for myself, Lohank is one of the founders of the UCB. Oh, I believe, cool. yeah, it's it's actually a nice like thing. I like I recognized him uh, the first time, but I wasn't sure. Um, he's normally in uh, the U.S. version of the thick of it. Uh, Veep. He's in Veep. He is in Veep. 
Mm-hmm. I've seen him in Veep GIFs, which is the only thing I know about Veep. Same. Honestly, I've never watched Veep itself, but I see the GIFs all the time. I'm glad we cover all the demographics for how to say GIF. I agree. I think Anyone can really... watch this show and be totally infuriated. <laughs> and or have their views catered to, whatever. <laughs> I think it's important. I mean, you know, it's it's representation it's kind matters. Of a, it's kind of a glass half empty sort of thing. <laughs> if that's how you choose to see your glass, Carl, I'm going to be the half full iteration. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I lost a power play there. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm not good at power plays, either in hockey or metaphorically in real life. Great. So the A-plot. So the A-plot? It happened. Thought a little redundant. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't we address some of this earlier on in, like, season one? Well, I thought less redundant to that as like, oh, we talked to some people and got you some time to do X. That already happened. Like, was that last episode? The episode before? Uh, When Charles made the helping chart? Helping chart? Wait. Was like last- people helping him with paperwork and or babysitting to get him some free time. Yes, that was um, that was the episode before Halloween. Right? Because the serial killer didn't overlap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was the Oolong Slayer for sure. I just don't remember if there was an episode between the Oolong Slayer and now. I don't think so. uh, There was Halloween, wasn't there? Okay, yes. So it was two episodes ago. Yeah. It reminded me of that, which made it feel a little redundant. It also... I mean, for me, the, like, (laughs) Jake, you need to get your life right aspect of the plotline is very season one, which is fine. But, like, as much as... I, I do think that, like... The last time Jake had somebody be like, everyone else is covering for your mistakes. Um, that was season one, because I distinctly remember Holt saying something, Holt saying that Terry had to redo Jake's paperwork because it was so garbage. Having Amy end up doing the paperwork is also a sour note for me. Yeah, it's definitely capital P problems, although... She's got her own shit to be doing, Jake. She's got to try to sell some flashlights door to door. Seriously. I I will say that it sounded like Jake genuinely wanted to do the paperwork himself. And when he presented his genius, quote unquote genius, plan to Amy, she was like, no, you're going to do it wrong. Yeah, but that's a kind of subconscious male strategy of avoiding emotional labor anyway. Is it? Oh, God, men are so complicated. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a conscious strategy for anyone, but being incompetent enough at basic tasks like housework. Oh, yeah. That's what it felt like to me. And this is effectively housework. Yeah, sort of. It's paperwork. It's still clerical work, which has historically fallen to women. 
It's her taking over the task of helping out a friend while he gets a vacation. Yeah, I I think the th- my biggest I think the weakness of this plotline for me is that we don't see normally I don't mind this like I sometimes I'll complain about it but it's not actually a deal breaker but in this case I do feel like us not seeing Jake do this like quote unquote solve the problem was the problem. Mm, I don't know about that. But I don't know. I just I guess I would have actually liked to have seen. Jake actually try to solve the thing rather than after him having solved the thing. I'm not sure. I mean, it depends on whether you think it's funnier, whether the result or the process is funnier. That's fair. I think, I think the, I think the process is funnier in this case. Maybe. Cause like clearly Boyle and Terry slept through the whole thing. Yeah. So what the fuck was Jake doing? I guess it could have been funnier, but they would have had to take time away from other things. And the other things were better. Let's talk about the better. Well, do you have anything more to say about the A-plot? Um... I think my last thing I'd say about the A-plot is that it seems unrealistic because I can't imagine Jake wanting to go to the woods. Right? Oh, wait. Actually, I did have one other thing to add to that. And relatedly, which is that asthma camp is the most Amy thing Jake's ever had to tell about his past. I feel like his stories about his bat mitzvah, his bar mitzvah, whichever mitzvah, are equally Amy-ish. I guess. I guess because I see those within a specific cultural context, thanks to my inherent outsidership. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, she wouldn't have a bar mitzvah, but also, like, I was psyching myself up to ask this person out, but now she's with a total nerd. I don't know. Didn't he also get, like, his braces stuck on someone at one point? Am I making that up? Eh, whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't remember if that's happened. Maybe it happened. Although, Doesn't matter. Charles is, it's like when my dad used to argue with my best friend. My mom. That was tied oh, really well. Charles. <laughs> Charles, you're so bad. That timing on that joke, though. You know what it was? This episode reminded me of, there were a lot of conversations in this episode, in this plotline of the episode, that reminded me of things that we're talking about in my improv class right now, which like, what a cliche, but it's things like Terry kind of being like, (laughs) things like Terry being like, I guess I didn't need to know the nations of origin of those things, but sure, let's do that. Like, though, that's such like a... That's such, like, an improv comedy, like, calling out the weirdness. Maybe. Well, the thing is, now that you say that, like, I'm not sure it's good for scripted comedy to feel like improv. No, it's not, actually. I personally don't think it should. Okay. There there are moments where... I did like them bringing back the uh, Chinese whiskey shirt. It's terrible. It's even better because it's Chinese scotch. (laughs) <laughs> do we do oak trees even grow in china i don't know i mean doesn't matter that much 
I mean, I, they don't I mean, grow in Japan, and Japan makes some of the best whiskey in the world. So. Fair, fair enough. Um, you can move lumber around. What? You can fell a barrel. What? You mean we live in a global economy? Ridiculous. Um, I I do think I do think you have a great point that scripted comedy should not sound like improv. I think it should have the feel of improv of sort of being like light and moving, but I don't necessarily think it should have that. I don't. I guess I just haven't noticed the um, the calling out of the weirdness as much. And this episode does it a lot. Amy being like, that's a weird detail to include. You're a weird detail to include. I um, like that. I like that. I think, and I think that's, I don't know. There's, I, well, I, I it's, like how she's not, I like how she's not even really calling him out. She's right. Just kind of like, I've got your number, Jake. <laughs> well, and then he says that to her and she just kind of leans into it like, yeah, bring it. <laughs> like literally leans into it, not metaphorically leans into it. Um, I don't know. I, the, the, this episode, um, this plot line, I don't know, something, something about it felt kind of scattered. Yeah. It felt like vignettes, I think is what it is. Like, I know that there was an overarching plot, but it's definitely like Jake Boyle and Terrier in a hole, Jake Boyle and Terrier in a cabin, Jake Boyle and Terrier at a lake, Jake Boyle and Terrier at fireworks, like... (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it is. Like, the more I think about this episode, the more the A-plot bothers me. Yeah, I definitely did not enjoy the A-plot as much. Like, we're pretty obsessed with how hard things are on Terry compared to his extremely pregnant wife. I'm... Is I'm that weird? Yeah. Yeah. I mean I also And there was much more of an element last time we brought this up of like they they demonstrated how much Terry's doing, how much slack he's picking up. But in this episode it's like I don't know. I mean, Terry's allowed to delegate that paperwork. He's a sergeant. Boyle was on the case. He could have had Boyle do it. Arguably, Boyle should have. Yeah. like He has excellent penmanship. Sure. No, I, that's I, I just, like, he's making it like it's a really huge deal, but then he goes away for, like, an entire weekend. I don't know. I don't buy it. Somebody somebody wrote in asking about career prospects for Rosa or Amy this season. And it got me thinking about how if anyone in the 9-9 deserves some career recognition right now, it's probably Terry. Maybe, but I don't think he wants a promotion. No. That is actually a much more interesting question. Like, I think that question has a lot of legs. 
I think that's a that's a question for future Carl and Arthur. I don't want to talk. I don't want to. I don't I would, think we have any data right now. Yeah, I'd rather talk about Rosa. Let's do it. So Rosa finally broke up with her non-existent boyfriend, Marcus. Dump the boy. Always dump the boy. But, like, her... Her, like, the the last bit of the B-plot we see of her and Holt crying. That thing was Let's A. Let's talk about the last bit first. Uh, <laughs> wait, you mean we can't just go for the good stuff? Fine. I mean, we can if we want this episode to be, like, 22 minutes long. I guess it's 27. Whatever, it's fine. Um, the time the time dilation effect there. Not the, Anyway. Um, there's so much comedy in putting Holt and Rose in a room together. They're a really good pairing, and they always have been because of, like, how much they have in common that they don't share it all with anyone else. This is, again, like, should I do the thing about my improv class again? Because, like... Sure. So, in, in my improv class, they they often they often suggest, especially for beginning improvisers, to start from a position of sameness and then start discovering differences along the way. And... Like, this this plotline is a good example of that. Because, like, Holt and Rosa are so similar, and that's why it's hilarious. Because Holt, is, like, they both bring their own particular brands of weirdness to the table. And it's in that difference that the comedy, like, really comes to the forefront. Like... Holt being like, my husband, Kevin, says that we're both sociopaths for believing that this is the best way. I'm sorry? I laughed out loud at that. (laughs) Me too. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Um, And then just like, I am sad. I feel very sad. (laughs) Your sadness is noted. Uh, I feel acknowledged. It's so good. You just don't understand other people. I know, and but they both don't understand other people in slightly different ways, and I think that's the part that's incredible. Like, Holt cares a lot more about social niceties than Rosa does. Mm-hmm. He but doesn't understand Ros- the emotional impact of things on people totally. But I think Rosa's better at identifying, like, what people are feeling. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I think she's more socially adept than Holt. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. Which is not to say either of them are well-suited for this life. (laughs) No, not even a little bit. Not at all. Um, is this the first episode to use like detective cam this season uh, like I noticed these three things close up slow motion ooh you know what uh they used detective cam in the bat. No, not the bat. Uh, 
Halloween so that 3. That was two seasons ago. Okay, I, that I'm was sorry. last episode. I'm sorry, I mean Halloween 3. Okay, those are similar. <laughs> I, I I don't know why I said the bet. Oh, because I was I answered an ask last night about the bet. That's why. Uh, or I answered an ask and referenced the bet in it. That's why. It's been on my mind. Um yeah, I think that I think this is, but I think this is the first time we've seen Detective Cam used as Detective Cam. What do you mean? Well, because like technically, last time they used it in as Heist Cam, which is a slightly more panned out version of Detective Cam. But like we, it see wasn't it someone like putting it together. Well, Amy Amy starts with Detective Cam and it moves to Heist Cam, so she starts. Oh by yeah, being, I see what you mean. That's revealing the plan, not put piecing together it's very different when you're like talking about your deductions versus explaining the sinister things you did well she starts with explaining her deduction right because she says that when jake sets off the witch she notices holt flinching and that part is detective cam from there it turns into heist cam this is all unnecessary arguments like this is all facetious, or not facetious, frivolous, ultimately. I think this is the first time they've used Detective Cam as Detective Cam. I didn't really catch any of that. Um, whatever, it's all meaningless. Basically, uh, yes, I think this might be the first, but this is also like the first time they've had like a case, like, no, they don't have any cases in this episode. Never mind. Maybe that's what's throwing me off about this episode. A lot of other episodes this season so far have at least pretended that there's, like, a case to be solved. Oh, yeah, there really isn't any police work this episode at all. Right. Like, Halloween also had very little police work, but, like, when... They were, they were, doing, they were doing team stuff. This was, like, vacations and side jobs and unprofessional meddling. This is the beach house. Yeah, I guess it is. You still there? Yeah, sorry. I'm just, I'm thinking about like, what were my problems with the beach house? And do I see them here? Well, Marcus was in it. <laughs> About as much as he was in this, yeah. I don't know. He expressed several emotions in this. He expressed several emotions in Beach House, too. He never really clicked. Did he? He never, he never had a group scene. Yeah. He was never on set with anyone except Stephanie Beatrice at any given time. Let's be real. Um, can we talk about the ending of the B-plot? Yeah, we can talk about the ending of the B-plot. I really felt for Rosa. Like, that was a really great moment of, like, emotional maturity. Of her being like, what if this is my only chance at love? I felt so much feelings there. And I and then I started laughing so hard when Holt and Rosa started crying together. Like, I felt bad for laughing. But I was also like, this is both hilarious really... and sad. I really enjoyed, so slightly before that, I really enjoyed the first time 
Marissa started crying, and she like, I think Beatrice is good at that. And when she walked away, and like, uh, Scully was like, "Are you crying?" And he got like his shit kicked in. Yes. I really love about the Scully character that he will recognize and admit immediately that like I deserve that. <laughs> Because yeah, I, are you crying is never the right question to ask a coworker. Yeah, or really any human being that clearly doesn't want to talk about it. I feel like are you crying is self-evident. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, I I like, um, I really like uh, scenes with uh, with Holt and Rosa together, and I like how they interact. And I liked they both had like a a nice moment of like vulnerability with each other here. Yeah, me too. Yeah. What I don't like is, I mean, I guess this is. Rose's first emotionally involved relationship. But like so. she was dating Plank from Ed Ed and Eddie. <laughs> That's a great reference. That is such a good reference, girl. Thank you. I mean he's cute, which is why she got with him, but like this is not gonna be your last relationship, Rosa Diaz. But I get that feeling. Like, I understand why she feels that way. I guess. But also, he was, like, talking about marriage, like, what, maximum nine months in? That's, that's a lot. That's really, that's really hard. Like, that's a lot. I guess we don't know if he was, like, talking about the potential of them getting married someday or, like, gearing himself up to propose. Because those are very different things. I, I suspect it's the former and she spooked. But if she wasn't feeling it, she that was as good a moment to exit as any. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that nine months is a ridiculous amount of time to go before starting to think about marriage, myself. Um, or at least enough to think about it enough to verbalize it. It seems like he's quite emotionally open to a degree that freaks Rose out. Mm-hmm. But, like, yo, I mean, there's a lot of interim steps. Nine months is not long enough to even be starting to think about that. That's all I'm going to say. And not recognizing that Rosa wouldn't be at that level yet is a Serious failure. I mean, then breaking up with him was the right move. I mean, we've all been thinking she was going to break up with him anyway. Yeah, but we thought... I I think... I I figured they would break up for, like, a less interesting reason. (laughs) I'm glad that Rosa and Holt came out of this with the mistaken impression that they're good at emotions. <laughs> we are so good at this. It's such a good line of them just crying and being like uncommunicative, and they're crying. Yeah. So great. So good. I honestly, I 
I appreciated this plotline, this this whole episode and this plotline also for what it was. I guess like until I know like what if anything comes after, I don't have a lot of opinions or analysis of it. Like yeah, me personally, me yeah. This is this is kind of like it's just a stepping stone episode. Yeah, and there's not a lot to say about it. Although we somehow managed to fill forty minutes anyway. Well, we did spin our wheels the entire time. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Well, this was fun. I don't have a lot. Um, I, should, we could talk about Brooklyn moving to Tuesdays in January. Maybe, but it's just a, it's just a day movement thing. Yeah, I'm. A couple people have chatted with me. Like they sent me like DMs or texts about it. I think. Um, I'm curious what the impact will be, given that this is, like, there's two changes happening, which are actually important to note. The first is that Brooklyn Nine-Nine is moving from Sundays to Tuesdays, rather back to Tuesdays. But I think the more important change is that they're going from being at the half hour to the top of the hour, meaning that Brooklyn, uh, I'm sorry, meaning that Brooklyn Nine-Nine will be the lead-in to the grinder, rather than being led into by the Simpsons. Interesting. I guess that indicates they have some faith in it, and I hope that the execs are mature enough to know that, like, if that means its numbers go down, well, that's to be expected. Yeah, I'm. I'm just nervous because, like, I don't know. I th- there there is the expectation of numbers being shed. There's also questions about like how will this impact? Like, will this impact? Uh, the Hulu viewership because like because like that's on a delay anyway does it matter I don't think it matters no, I, I think, think you'll watch Hulu when it shows up well uh, next week is um, The Mattress which might be the episode I've been waiting and crying and screaming for for a while which is I think Amy gets the primary plot line in an A plot maybe well okay. Uh, explicitly, the logline is that she and Jake are working a case together. Cool. Yeah, so I'm kind of excited. Hesitantly excited. I, I have learned not to get my hopes up. Not just not by the show, but by all TV. <laughs> Never ever trust. <laughs> trust no one, as the X-Files taught us, both in plot lines as well as execution. <laughs> Great, cool. So from both of us to all of you, this has been Back in the Field. My name is Arthi. My name is Carl. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.